Welcome to Podcast BC, a podcast for sharing the stories of the product community around Vancouver and the rest of British Columbia, Canada. I'm your host, Piali Day. Today's episode is featured on women in product. The format is also going to be a little different as we have invited a number of women product leaders here to speak with me today on this topic. And it will be a panel or a fireside chat format. And for this reason, my usual co-host Blake has volunteered to support us in the background. So today's topic is very near and dear to my heart for so many reasons. Our awareness on the topic diversity in tech has raised quite a lot of interest in the last few years. And so we thought it would be a great time for us to do an episode uh, to especially talk about women leaders from the product management world. Personally, my background is in computer science and I stumbled into the product journey a few years back. And since then, this journey has nothing but a steep learning curve. Before getting a job at Microsoft, where I currently work, I have also worked in startups and other enterprise company, both as software engineer and, and a product manager. And I cannot wait to share all those experiences with all of you today. But I'm more excited to spend the next 45 minutes with our three amazing guests to talk all about being a woman in the product world. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Um, so, Ansley, you go first. Hi, my name is Ainsley Robertson. I'm uh, the manager of App Ecosystem at Clio. Clio is a software company headquartered in Vancouver, and we make software for law firms. We also have offices in Toronto and Dublin and Calgary, and um, through the pandemic have hired folks uh, really across North America. Um, I've been at Clio for five and a half years and I've had three very distinctly different roles during that time. Uh, when I joined Clio, I was a product manager. I had a few years of product management experience and uh, served as a product manager at Clio for just under two years before I pivoted into a role that we invented in engineering that focused more on culture and eventually operations. So we were scaling the engineering organization and thinking about, you know, what would happen to our culture as we quadrupled in size? How would we think about diversity and inclusion as we scaled? And how would we build our hiring brand so that we could actually go about finding and attracting really great talent to come and join us? Um, there were a lot of parallels to product management. While it felt like I was stepping away from PM, it also in some ways felt though as though the engineering organization was now my product and my customers were our engineers at Clio and engineers in the market and understanding what mattered most to them and how I could help to create a really great environment and a, a place where they wanted to come and work and a place where they wanted to stay was really the scope of that role. Um, I also learned during the three and a half years that I was in that role that I'm an operator and I get the most energy from diving into a new problem that I've never solved before and figuring it out and operationalizing things and helping to hire people and moving things and growing things into a place where then I can step away. And that's what happened with my developer experience role in engineering. And then I was ready for a new challenge. And last fall, I moved into my 
current role uh, managing our entire app ecosystem group and all of its functions. So the development team, product design, product marketing, data science, partnerships management with our third-party app partners, as well as our dev relations team. And the brand new uh, role for me and um, really fun to get to really broaden my scope. Our app ecosystem team interacts with almost every group across the company, which is something I was really looking for in my next role. Um, an opportunity to grow as a leader and have a bigger impact to be more closely tied to company metrics. Um, and uh, it's a little bit like getting to run a little startup, but I didn't have to leave Clio to do it. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And I'm getting to tap back into my product management roots um, here and there, as well as I set roadmap and, and clarify the vision for our entire group. Wow, I can literally think of like 10 different questions we can ask Ansley today. So welcome, and we'll get into all of that. So let's introduce our second guest, Yasmin. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Yasmin Tahar. Um, I am Senior Product Manager at Amazon. I work, I recently joined Amazon. I work within social advertising. So we build, um, we experiment a lot and we integrate with other social channels, ad formats programs, with the final goal of automating and running what we call hands of the wheel programs on all social channels. Uh, before Amazon, I was a lead product manager at MasterCard, where I was working also within the digital marketing space and loyalty space. I led uh, two products within that group, and I was working remotely before COVID hit uh, with nine engineering teams in San Francisco. My stakeholders, business stakeholders, were primarily in New York. Uh, our customers, a lot of them were in uh, Asia Pacific and Australia, so, you know, working across all kind of uh, different time zones as well with the struggle. Um, but that's something that, you know, all of us as product managers will, will have to adapt to as well. I did this for almost two years-ish. Um, and before that, um, I worked in a lot of different industries. I worked in healthcare for five years. I launched nine products in different uh, spaces, a membership uh, space of registration that would help um, uh, students and physicians globally apply to become licensed in the province here. I also built a legal uh, system that actually helped the patient sue physicians for meal practices. Um, I built kind of regulatory um, accreditation systems that would help the government assess uh, medical facilities. Um, I transitioned into product within this organization. I, I started as an engineer or um, I had like a consultant through a title at the time. And before that, I worked with seven startups. So I moved gradually from startups to medium-sized organizations to large, large organizations like MasterCard and Amazon. Um, so I had a lot of different, you know, uh, insights and industries that I kind of uh, tipped into <laughs> um, and experienced, you know, different um, uh, different ways of different um, ways to like uh, become a product manager, different uh, backgrounds as well. Um, yep, and I'm originally an engineer. <laughs> I came from an engineering background and transition a few years back. So I'm uh, happy to be here with you. Awesome. Welcome, Yasmin. All right. So moving on to our third guest, uh, Sophia. Yes. Hi, I'm Sophia Bautista, and I am Senior Group Product Manager at Legible. Uh, Legible is a community-first, values-focused ebook platform, and we're based out of Vancouver. But we have folks in Toronto, in Chicago, um, in Australia even. So we're kind of remote first. Um, I started out as the founding PM at Legible. I was the very first PM. 
And then I moved into a head of product role before I went into my current role where we kind of divided up our product organization into two um, groups, which is one is platform experience, which is uh, what I take care of. And then the other side being consumer experience. But what I take care of on the platform side is we're trying to transition our organization into a uh, service uh, architecture um, using microservices, APIs, um, and, and having shared services across our uh, internal teams, our employees, our partners, and whatnot. Actually, by the time this episode airs, I'll be taking on a new role at Legible leading special projects where I get to explore uh, growth opportunities and areas of improvement within our product delivery team. One of those is reinventing our quality and test management process. Similar to AZ, it's not exactly product management anymore, but I get to broaden my scope of delivering software products. I also get to tackle a new initiative or product line every couple of months, building out the foundational business and delivery strategy. And then I also get to partake in interviewing and hiring the product team that will take it on long-term. It also allows me to continue working with folks, which I've been doing for quite a while now, but I still get to tackle really cool technology and design problems at the same time. I worked in digital publishing uh, ever since uh, I was in university and specializing in uh, working with publishers and digitizing their catalog um, at consulting companies. Uh, and uh, I specialized in um, educational publishers and getting their books onto uh, reading systems at my last companies. And, uh, but I started out uh, before in product as a designer. And while I was kind of doing mock-ups and wireframes, doing discovery, um, I found that I was more interested in listening to customers, learning more about them, learning about their stories, their pain points, than the actual pixel pushing and making wireframes. Um, I was I was much more competent in conducting myself in interviews than making mock-ups. So that's kind of led me to that that shift into product and led me to where I am today. Well, welcome, Sophia. So I think Sophia, you just touched on something um, that I was actually very interested in to, to know is that how did you land your first product job or kind of like how did you figure out that this is something you want to do because you know this is um this is a very common question in the community that I'm interested in the product world but I'm not really sure if I'm a good fit so you kind of touched on that um, so just taking it, you know, one step further, um, Yasmin and Ainsley, do you have anything to add? Like when you started product, was it like just an accidental, uh, you know, uh, find accidental finding or, or you really want, or you really knew that this is, this is something that you want to do? Uh, Ainsley, you go first. Sure. Yeah. Um, I stumbled into product management from, I guess a pretty cross-functional role at a startup. Um, I was working at a startup in Calgary. There were six developers and a CEO, and then they hired me. And it was supposed to be, I think, marketing and business development. But with 
that makeup of team, you just kind of do whatever needs to be done. And one of those things was customer support. Our development team had been sharing the responsibility of supporting the app's customers. And when I showed up, they were like, great, someone else is here and you can talk to our customers. And I just kind of overnight became a one woman support team. And all of a sudden really deeply knew our product and our domain, and what was important to our customers and just naturally started to inform what the dev team was doing and was weighing in on how we were prioritizing things and our roadmap. And then, and I don't know if it would have progressed beyond that, but I was really fortunate in that uh, the CEO hired a senior business analyst and he came in and fortunately it was just like an incredible um, sponsor for me, um, a big feminist and um, just really wanted to like engage in supporting and, and sponsoring women. And he looked at what we were doing and he looked at our CEO and he said, I don't think we need business analysis. I think what we need to do is to take product management from the CEO. And so he looked at me and said, you know, our product and our domain and our customers the best. And I, in the voice of the senior BA, I know how to do product management, so let's tackle it together. And I didn't know what a product manager was. <laughs> and so I learned about the craft and what the role was from working with him. Fortunately, the entire dev team was also just like incredibly supportive. We've actually hired almost that entire team at Clio now because um, that company doesn't exist anymore. Um, they were a wonderful team and they were so supportive of me leaning in and learning a brand new role and figuring out how to work with them in that way. So that's also a piece of advice that I give to a lot of people when they come to me and ask about how to get into product management. It's such a strange career because there isn't this like defined path or do this education and then someone's definitely going to give you an associate PM job. Um, I think one of the easiest ways to break in is to go work in another role at a company and deeply learn the product, the domain, and the customers. Because when you have all of that dialed, it's so much easier to convince someone to take a chance on you to like learn how to do the mechanics of an associate PM job. Um, and I think customer support is probably one of the easiest ways to do that. Um, for some people, it might take a maybe a little bit of humility, you know, to, to take um, a role that maybe isn't exactly in alignment with your career but um wow do you have like I, I i mean i think that every pm should spend time in support even if you're already a pm like that's part of our, our onboarding at clio you're gonna go take some support calls um <laughs> so i think it's part of what also makes a great pm and and really set someone up to succeed and i'm not sure that i would have ever um broken into product management without spending time in support yeah, I mean, I, I cannot agree with you more, Ainsley. Like when, so I decided that, okay, I might be a good fit for product manager. Uh, and that's when I actually uh, took up a role, which was kind of like temporary for a year, which was into customer success and support. So exactly like, you know, learning how to talk to customers, how mm -hmm. to understand what they are actually talking about. Mm -hmm. And it was like instrumental. And it gave me a lot of confidence that, okay, now I know how to talk to customers. So this might be a good fit for me. So totally there with you. Um, Yasmin, how do you kind of accidentally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for me, it wasn't accidental by any means. 
So um, I graduated initially with my engineering degree during the financial recession. And um, a lot of companies were in hiring. So I started actually working with a lot of startups at the beginning. And uh, at the time, I, I don't remember ever coming across like a product manager world, um, even like when I'm looking you know, on platforms like LinkedIn or uh, looking for jobs. I don't think it had a definition at the time, but I realized later on that I, you know, I was doing a lot of aspects of a product manager, um, but again, doing it with other you know, responsibilities. And moving to like medium-sized organizations um, helped me um, understand the role a little bit better. Although at the time um, I was working in healthcare and the organization I worked for was more, I would call it like a service-oriented organization that wasn't like engineering-led or product-led. Um, so, um, so we didn't really have like a lot of you know, product managers. We were trying to um, understand like, okay, should we have like a product owner, right? And I have been at the company for a long time working as an engineer and I was, you know, very interested in learning more about the customers. I, I was a consultant in a way, so I was already working, you know, with customers. And um, I liked my old life as an engineer, but I was so zoomed in. So I wanted this kind of zoom out a little bit. I wanted to zoom out to understand how all the business functions, right? Like how all these uh, entities interact together. Um, so I was looking for it and I actually went and, you know, did some additional education. Um, I wasn't tying the education directly with product management I did my when I did my MBA at SFU here in Vancouver, but it helped me understand the business side of things because I was never like exposed to the business side of things and, you know, um, before. And um, and although like, I, I kind of grow into a product owner within this organization, I realized that it wasn't at the time wasn't the right organization for me to grow as a product manager. So I quickly transitioned you know, at, at MasterCard and I learned a lot about product management at MasterCard, the way they do product management um, and, so, and so on. So I really, I did, it wasn't accidental for me. I was looking for it. Um, I was just testing. Uh, I wasn't quite sure at the beginning and I would agree with you know, some things that has been said earlier. There are some challenges for senior engineers to transition into product. One of them that I have been told from my mentors, my, my product mentors is that you know you might have to downgrade a little bit right um, and you might have to like start from an associate role even though you have like 10 years of experience or so or, or so on um, so that was something that I was taking into consideration luckily I didn't have to downgrade uh, from a title or from like salary perspective by any means um, so I was lucky in, in this aspect as well um, so I would say, you know, my my uh, focusing on my own education. Um, I spent like two years learning a lot about the rules, doing my side projects, learning through, you know, SFU University, and having a lot of mentors and um, and already doing some of that as a product owner in my previous organization that helped me get like my my first, you know, uh, lead product manager role. Yeah, I mean that that's amazing. I I hope that you know from all of our perspectives, at least like you know folks who who are listening to this episode can understand that you can either stumble into product management or you can plan your career and kind of like take step by step process to reach your goal. But yeah, like as Ansley said, that it's it's a very kind of like fluid uh, domain. It's not like you have to get this degree or that particular certificate. So wherever you are right now, you can literally, you can figure out a way to get into product. So changing the gear a little bit. So the next question, it, it might sound like super biased because we are all women and we are talking about women in product. But um, um, actually, I, I, I want to start with Sophia. So Sophia, you you are a founding PM for your company, and then you have walked such a long path to be where you are today. Um, 
why did you think that you know why do you think personally that women can make a great product managers like do you feel like we have some skills like that come to us very you know organically that's that's like a that can help you to become a great product manager like i i can uh, probably like start because i personally feel that you know the emotional intelligence part that we all have um at least for me i feel like i connect to my customers way easier uh because we are probably just biologically wired that way to connect with the customer in an emotional level um and this has been one of my probably great strengths to become a pm to talk to customer to kind of get down to their level and understand what they are trying to what they are trying to talk about uh what do you think sophia like you have talked to so many customers what do you think um has been super helpful i think it's also part of our nature to be open-minded and um be willing to accept new ideas, new thoughts and new ways of doing things. Um but another side of it with working with, you know, uh development teams and and designers and and other, you know, business stakeholders, we're also like less threatening, I guess, less imposing than our male counterparts where, you know, if we were to dictate a product strategy or a decision it it would be something that can be like an open conversation rather than just be taken as fact or gospel and that is a really important part of of being a pm is is facilitating collaboration and uh inclusivity of ideas um and that has really benefited me at least when i've i've talked to to my male counterparts and co- colleagues in in product management Yeah yeah that's that's a good point i think these kind of things come to us very naturally uh, and can be very you know like positives for our career uh, yes mean do you do you think um there is anything else or what do you think um i i do agree with sofia on everything she said i think we bring a lot when it comes to emotional intelligence and with you as well uh, bailey um and i think that facilitating conversation coordination a lot of this comes you know naturally as well that doesn't mean that you know male counterparts don't have this but i think i think one of the biggest thing for me is like uh, empathy as well uh and when we empathy is not just with your customers with your internal stakeholders like your engineers as well like you know we understand the hard work they put in to make uh, their product work with your marketing team understanding how much effort they they put in to you know come up with a strategy or go to market or um all the responsibilities they have on their plate so really building this uh, inclusive culture within your organization i think it comes naturally to any female leader in general not just in product to be honest um that's my my feeling yeah yeah i mean i i agree with all of those points because it, it it obviously we are not trying to say that our male colleagues do not have those traits but uh we're just probably trying to find out that what comes to us very naturally be, just just because uh you know just because of the gender So awesome so I think um uh, my next question is to Ainsley and uh you know as you we have all heard in in her introduction that how she kind of um had to 
put her feet in so many different buckets that kind of, you know, curate her career paths, doing so many different things in different uh, areas. So, um, NC, why don't you, you know, talk about it a little bit more? Like you have had these different career paths in your um in your whole career throughout. So was there any specific learning? Uh, if you have to like, maybe um, if we give you an opportunity to do everything all over, would you follow the same kind of like traits or would you want to make some changes there? What was your probably best part doing, you know, all of these things together? Hmm. Interesting. Um, hmm. Would I do anything differently? I mean, I, I think on a personal note, and maybe for anyone who is, I know you're never too old to learn things, but I would say younger than me who has more of a chance. Um, I wish I would have learned to code. I still want to, um, but it's, it's harder to learn new things when you're old. Um, and I think that actually would help me in a lot of different ways. And just not that I think I'd be coding every day, but um, I wish that I had done that when I was younger. In terms of the rest of my career path, like, I think that product working in product or like, I'll also say I should maybe call out, I feel like a little bit of an imposter today because I haven't had a true PM title in, I don't know, four years. Um, but I think perhaps what your question is also getting at is, you know, some of the other types of career paths that can be sparked from a PM career. And I think I'm really thankful for that. And I something that I've really started to define with more clarity for myself just in the past couple of years is that I'm an operator. And a word I maybe used to use was generalist. And getting into product management was the first and only time in my career I really felt like I specialized in something. Because I felt pressure to specialize. Like, I need to become like a deep expert in one thing, because that's what you're supposed to do in your career. And I think now I'm realizing that my superpower is actually just being a problem solver of many different types of problems and uh, being a blunt object or being able to be pointed at something that's like very, a very vaguely angly shaped hole and like go and figure it out. And that's where I have the most fun. And I think that's what I'm best at. And it took me a long time to figure out to figure that out. And I think part of what I enjoyed about being a PM is that there are elements of doing that. But I think now where my career is headed is even more broad than just product. I think it'll always involve some element of working with product. And I'll always be, you know, going back to those roots and that craft and those things that I learned as a product manager. But as a PM, we learn about business and strategy and driving growth. And those domains can translate into many different things at companies. For me, I think it's steering me towards operations or maybe getting involved with a startup at some point in my career. I think that's probably something a lot of PMs think about because you're, you're not just thinking about the product, you are thinking about the business, you're thinking about the strategy, you're thinking about the impact that something that you do is going to have on other parts of the business as well. And so I think coming out of product, you can also, I mean, may maybe you maybe you end up at a startup in an operations or a leadership role. Maybe you also find that you have a particular knack for or interest in like some other kind of specialized leadership role. So even moving into like a, I don't know, customer success leadership role at a startup. Um, I think that product management lays a really great foundation for 
navigating into almost any part of an organization, especially a smaller one. And for me, I think it's great, laid a great foundation for me to just grow as an operator and learn how to tackle new problems and think strategically and think about the business and think big picture and create great clarity and vision and roadmap, um, align a team around what we're doing. And that can be applied in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's what I think is the beauty of product management, right? You can you can do so many things and learn so many things and then bring them together, kind of like create a story. So yeah, I I I cannot remember when I heard it, but I heard this line that product management is a mix of science and arts. So it's it's not exactly like engineering that you can learn everything all about it, and but it's also like very creative process, like how you take all your skills together and you know um, advance in your career. Um, so you know, like the when I talk to other women uh, product managers, like you know when I go to meetups, when I talk to others, uh, there is like a a common domain, like there is like a big bucket where everybody wants to know more, which is hiring, promotion, salary negotiation, you know, that that aspect. So maybe maybe we can talk a few minutes about that. So uh, Sophia, I'll, I'll start with you. So when you kind of, uh, you know, progressed in your career, did you experience any difficulties with salary negotiation or promotion uh, discussion? Um, like, wh what did you feel like? Did you feel like um, you didn't know any better before, but now you have kind of find out a few tricks under your arms? Is is there anything like? Did you feel like it's it's different uh, when we compare it to our male colleagues? It's an open question. So, yeah. So. When I was kind of on the cusp of whether I should leave design and go into product management, and at the company that I was at at the time was calling it program management, going with the Microsoft, Microsoft model of, of dealing with a portfolio of products, um, I was already doing the responsibilities of product management um, in the design role that I was in. And when it finally came a time that I could finally get the program manager title, um, I was offered a salary that was below the market expectations, but then it was also a signal for the rest of the organization to hire more um, program managers. So when two more program managers joined and they were, um, male colleagues that had, I would say, experience and credentials that were more than what I had as a designer, they obviously had more um, to their salary than what I was initially offered. And it was tough navigating the reality of that and, and trying to negotiate what I've already been doing for a couple of years compared to um, new colleagues that were just coming into the job, but have done it already at different companies. Uh, so it's, it's something that I had to face and the courage to stand up for myself, uh, to my manager, to the HR team at the time. And I was able to prove that I needed or I was able to prove 
that I deserved a salary that was either equal to my male colleagues. And over time, that, that did happen, but it can be a struggle depending on the company you're at, uh, the maturity of the company, and the, the, the freedom that they have to provide those promotions. But it, it, is, it is something that I've heard other female colleagues experience. Um, across any tech-related role, and it's not just within product management, but it is much harder to prove that because although you don't have these credentials, you do deserve the same salary as your male colleagues. Um, over time, you know, I did I did go into business school like my colleagues have um, gained, you know, a master uh, in management, and my colleagues had MBAs. And that was kind of the rationale that the, the, my manager had at the time of why they were being paid more. And so I kind of got into this, this, this questioning period of, you know, do I really need to be at the same level as they are? Do I really need to go to school again, just so I can prove that I deserve this salary? Um, and I, I eventually had to, to do it. Um, just to make sure that I was a competitive candidate, even outside of the company that I was at at the time. And even though that was the main reason I had going into business school, um, I found that, you know, I was just not there for that reason. But I, I learned a lot um, around, you know, accounting and product strategy and leadership. So it was it was a win-win, but I didn't have I had very shaky thoughts of why I went into pursue um, further education in order to stay in, in product management. Um, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of us, including me, um, we, we suffer from imposter syndrome a lot. We feel exactly. like we're not good enough. And as you said, it's not specific to product. It's, it's, pretty much everywhere, um, like no matter which field you are in, we sometimes feel like uh, we are not there yet. So maybe we shouldn't ask for more right now. Um, but but yeah, like there are techniques that we can implement. Like for me, I was like exactly in the same boat. Um, and then I read up books, you know, and uh, there are so many books which actually lay out the strategy, like what, what you can do when you are having second thoughts. Um, and there were like sample questions, like how to talk to your manager. And I remember uh, I was working at a startup back then. I actually like memorized the whole script. I'm like, so whenever she was cross-questioning me, uh, he was like, my manager was a male. So when he was cross-questioning me, I was like, I was just trying to remember, okay, what was question number four? So I tried to fake it till I make it. But now I feel like it has... I have become more comfortable negotiating with staff as, you know, as I gained experience, but yeah, totally agree with you. They, so they, want, to add, they want to add a little bit into this yeah. as well. Um, I learned to use a lot of uh, product management techniques in salary negotiation. So previously as an engineer, my skill set, like I didn't learn a lot about discovery. I wasn't involved a lot in discovery. So I was always hands on the solution, right? Um, as I'm, you know, with, with gaining experience in discovery and talking with, you know, more functions, I learned a lot of, you know, uh, personal skills and soft skills. Uh, 
So going into salary negotiation, I, I started actually relying more on my male colleagues. So I would do my discovery, not just, you know, looking online and seeing like, what is the average salary for this organization? I would specifically go ask every male colleague I, I know within this company, within similar companies to actually share with me how much they make. And I would actually kind of, you know, categorize this and have those discussions with my recruiter saying, you know, you're offering me this. I spoke with, you know, 10 other candidates and those are the numbers I got from them. And I was specifically not asking any female uh, colleague, just knowing that usually within their hiring process, they probably, in, on average, they are offered less than males in tech, not just in product. So I actually used that as a leverage when I was negotiating salary with tech companies, and, and I think it worked pretty well. And I'm glad that, you know, a lot of the techniques I learned as a product manager helped me with the negotiation as well. Yeah. So Yasmin, did you feel like you have had to work harder than your male colleagues to, you know, get the same recognition, get the same money or whatever it is? So do you feel like you have had to prove more or... I think it's hard to question, not just for females, but for parents in general. I have kids myself, and I think any parent working in tech with the stress of, you know, everyone working, um, maybe overworking themselves, and everyone's trying to prove yourself, you feel sometimes a little bit at disadvantage. And I do totally agree with this. Um, and I also, when you say colleagues, it's not just your uh, counter, like uh, uh, it's not just product managers, but also as we work across different functions, working with marketing, working with like, you know, engineers, working with every function you interact with, um, you like you question yourself, like, do, like you know, um, um, do I have to work more? Do I have to like look more specialized? Do I have to gain more in-depth knowledge? Uh, working with this specific function or within a specific industry and such. Uh, in general, to be honest, to be absolutely honest with you, product managers work a lot more than different functions. Um, just um, And it's a lot more stressful job than, you know, when I was an engineer or maybe some of us who have came from design background or marketing background. And, and I don't know if it's a combination between, you know, we are dipping our toe in too many different, you know, bottles, bottles or, um, or also, you know, um, the generalist um, concept of product management. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of you. Like, you know, when when product management became a buzzword in LinkedIn, everybody was like, oh, product management sounds so cool. I actually, um, there was a, uh, in a conversation between me and a few of UBC students that, you know, just just figure it out, just take some time and figure it out if this is a this is what you really want to do or because it's a lot of work it's not like you know you can just clock in and clock out like that and you are done it's a very very fluid job description you have to do a lot so yes i i agree uh, so so i also have ensley so i ensley so i wanted to know your point of view from the other side of the coin so you manage uh you know a bunch of people product managers and who are like so you are kind of in that in that role where you are hiring you are kind of having this career growth talks with your team uh, so from from your perspective um like from your experience did you take do you think that our hiring process needs to be better we should be doing something differently um and like you, you, I'm sure that in your team, you have uh, male team members as well. Did you see like there is a difference in dynamics? Like what's your perspective from like, you know, from management, from looking at it? 
Well, just as a clarifying point, I don't manage any product managers, um, but I can maybe just speak more broadly, I think, to some of the, I guess, the current state of things in terms of women in product. I suppose something I forgot to mention at the beginning of the interview is that I'm also one of the organizers of women in product, uh, the Vancouver chapter. And so these are some of the things that we talk about with within our organizing committee in Vancouver and also our, our counterparts globally. Um, it's also something that I've, um, that I've tackled in my previous role in just in terms of women in, in tech in general, when I was working with the engineering organization, but I get hit up all the time from women who want to break into product management. And so I think that for anyone to say, you know, there aren't that many women out there in product management. There are tons of women who want to work in this career. And I do think that a lot of the time there are, let's say, characteristics of product managers that are um, looked for and rewarded that more commonly present themselves in men. And so men are advancing, they're becoming more senior. Of course, everybody wants to hire a senior PM. And we're just not really investing in what I will tell you is a lot of women early in their careers who want to be product managers. So I think that a lot of companies need to take a good hard look at themselves and think like, how much are we doing to invest in the next generation of, or the next cohort of people in product management and how much of that energy are we putting into underrepresented folks in product management? Something else that I'll say related to my time in the engineering organization and scaling while I was part of engineering, we doubled the representation of women in the engineering department while we quadrupled the size of the team. And the way that we did that was by putting a really intentional focus on increasing the representation of women. It doesn't happen naturally. We have way too many like really firmly seated biases that all of us have and biases in the process. And um, we need to put a lot of effort behind making meaningful change in the makeup of our teams, a lot of intention. If anyone's curious around how we did that, I won't get, get into detail today. I know we're short on time, but I wrote a really quite a long blog post about how exactly we did that on our Clio Labs blog, which is labs.clio.com, about how we doubled the representation of women in engineering. And I don't think it's just specific to engineering. I think that you could apply that to any role um, and to any underrepresented group in tech. And I challenge leaders at all different types of companies and in all different types of leadership roles to really think about how you're sourcing for the roles that you want to hire, what your interview process looks like, and how much you're investing in um, folks who are newer to that career path to help to diversify things in you know, five years because we need to be doing that work now or we're really never gonna see the change that we wanna see. Yeah, like this particular topic, probably we can do another episode just on that. So um, I know we are running short on time. So my last question for all of you would be, uh, what is that one advice that you wanna give to a younger woman uh, who is just entering the product world today? Um, so Yasmin. Yeah, I think to choose an industry that you are passionate about, 
Um, and I don't mean the role that you're passionate about, I mean an industry that you're passionate about. And product management is a stressful job by definition, and uh, really liking and enjoying what you're working on and what you're learning every day can take off, could take off like a lot of load um, of you and make you, like, you know, excited to come to work every day. Um, that's something that um, I have learned about myself the most as I grow into my you know, product management career. Yeah, love it. Uh, Sophia, one advice. Yeah, it, this piece of advice was given to me by uh, someone who was championing me early in my career um, in product. And although, as I mentioned earlier, like we by nature are open-minded and, and like collaboration, uh, one thing that stuck with me that I'd love to share to any woman who wants to go into product is just not being afraid to say no. Um, we would we want to please every single customer, every single uh, developer, every single designer that we, we work with, but like having the backbone to say to having the backbone to say no um, will benefit you um, later on in your career than saying yes to everything. It will respect your mental health, your sanity, your social life, as well as just putting out a, a great product that's you know simple and easy to use. It's very applicable to so many different scenarios um, when you're working in products. Love it. Cool. Ainsley, any last thought? Something that I realized too late in my career is your manager and your relationship with your manager matters a lot. And feeling safe to be as vulnerable as you can be, to be authentically yourself, to talk about what's really hard for you or the dreams and aspirations that you truly have in your career and in your life are going to accelerate things so much if you can show up that way with your manager. Um, your manager holds the key to opportunities for you and, and the ways that you're going to grow. And I think that we sometimes don't realize how important that relationship is to our careers. Yeah, I, I agree with all of you. And I think for me, uh, one thing that I would like to share with everybody is this, like, just, you know, keep connecting with other folks, because sometimes we feel like we are alone in this and that nobody else is having the same problem it's just me uh, i might be doing something wrong just just forget all about that you know uh, reach out to other people we have social media we have linkedin we have meetups but yeah definitely reach out to other people hear everyone out um, i think that way you can find a lot of support so well so that was it for today um i would like to thank everyone to come here and share your insight this has been um, an episode that we have been planning for months so thank you again for all of your time and i hope uh, everyone enjoy it all right thank you bye thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's episode and content on the topic of women in product this is a very near and dear uh, topic to my heart and I really really hope that all of you found uh, some sort of value out of this episode. A big thank you to all of our guests for joining me today. 
So now I have Blake with me. Um and Blake, so what what did you feel about the whole episode? What is your take on the topic and uh you know, allyship, the concept of allyship in in general? Thanks, Piali. I really enjoyed listening to this episode in the background. Uh, one thing I've really wanted to see happen in Procast BC is a lot more of a focus on vulnerable stories. It's really important for me to really hear about changes in, you know, what makes high trust, high safety work culture available to everybody inside of the tech uh, industry. Um, I'd like to say on the topic of male allyship, uh, specifically from this episode, that I'd like to advocate for more male focus and allyship in general. I think it's good to acknowledge that there are problems out there and that men also need to get involved to make workplaces safer for for everybody, especially women. Um it's good to educate ourselves a little bit more on the issue as well, um which requires a lot of listening and reading and uh, to not uh just simply assume that these things are being taken care of in the background. Pay attention and get more involved and build your own self-awareness. Um lastly, I'd say it's really important to advocate for women by developing uh any kind of engagement that you can do to support um as well as promoting new behaviors. You know, if you're in the workplace and you see any kind of uh, misogyny going on around you, uh don't just stay silent. Um speak out against it. Uh figure out what you can do to um change the behaviors of those around you um and realize that everyone's on a journey trying to figure out what that is. So, um try and be supportive by modeling what that new behavior can be and trying to advocate for women to feel safe no matter what. Um but yeah, thank you uh for everyone that spoke in this episode. This was really insightful uh and I encourage everyone to listen again if there was points there that you could reflect on. Yep. And thanks Blake. And you know, just one last thought kind of crossed my mind is that when we say women in product, we just have to remember that it's not just about women. When we address this kind of issue, it's a collective effort from, you know, all gender, all race, races and pretty much from everyone. So we all have to kind of step up our game and be very conscious uh to address this problem. Thanks everybody for listening to Podcast BC. Uh there'll be some links in the description on the episode that uh everybody that was speaking today is hiring. So take a look at the job boards at Clio, at Legible, uh and at Amazon. Uh, and thanks again to those speakers. I'd also like to announce uh that this is likely going to be our last episode of Podcast BC for a while. Um so thanks again for listening and if you haven't heard any of the past episodes, uh give them a listen. Uh otherwise we welcome any feedback so join the product bc slack community or find one of our email addresses at productbc.ca and we'd love to hear uh whether you have any future thoughts for the podcast uh, or any thoughts on any of the episodes that we recorded so thanks again and a big thank you to Piali um she announced that she's going to be moving and uh I just wanted to give her a big thank you for all the effort and time she's had in participating with me this season I couldn't have done it without you thanks again